All right. Good evening. Welcome to the Healthy Indoors After Hours Show. I'm your host, Bob Crowell. I'm the founder and uh, publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. Uh, thanks for joining us here on a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock your Eastern time. Um, you may be somewhere else, though. In the in the, in the the co-chair position right now is Jay West from Chicagoland. How you doing, buddy? Feeling pretty good. It's been a good day, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the show, Bob. It's going to be rad, as the it's kids say. Rad, okay. Yeah, that's what the kids so, say. so, so we have t- we have two great guests uh, tonight. They're almost um, in in some ways like I guess uh, ghosts from my past um, to some extent. You know, from from the from the indoor air quality industry from a long time ago. Uh, both coming from the West Coast too, so that'll be interesting. Um, so with us tonight are uh, Stacy Champion, uh, coming from Phoenix, Arizona, and Ed Cross coming from. Coming from somewhere. So, Ed, Ed what we didn't establish in, in the pre-show is where you're located right now. Are, are you in Honolulu now, or where are you? I'm in an undisclosed location. Tight. He's in witness protection. That's <laughs> I am in the witness protection program, kind of in the basement in the bunker here where it's where it's safe for everybody. Excellent. It's darn glad. Nice to be here with everybody. Thank you. So, yeah, so so here we here here we are on the Healthy Indoor Show. And, and I think it's an interesting mix, you know, uh, having Ed and Stacy because, you know, the two totally different areas. So, so Ed has been an attorney, well, has been an attorney for quite a while. Um, you know, and I met you back in the 90s. We were talking about that in pre-show. Um, and actually, qu- quick uh, sidebar with Ed. Um, Ed was uh, doing a mock deposition at a conference, a mock deposition for uh, a, a fake mold case in front of, so we were in an audience of probably... were they all fake, Bob? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but at least I wasn't getting paid for this That's one. That's what they make things out of. You I have mean, the to prob- put it in a mold. It's not so, real. So I'm kidding, Stacey. How do you, you can't sad. just make a jello. So yeah, this this is going to degrade an alarming rate. I love it. Um, yeah, so you know, so I got you know, and I I fancied myself to be the the big hot ship, you know, mold consultant back then, and uh, you know, and I was you know doing pretty well with depositions and expert witness testimony, and then I went up in front of this audience, and uh, the illustrious uh, Ed Cross uh, tore me apart in front of a bunch of people. It was great though. I mean, I was like so impressed with the fact that you knew that much about the indoor environmental industry. Are we allowed to cuss on this show? Yes, yes we are. This I just heard you say the S word. Yeah, I, I, we don't. There's certain words we don't say. Ah, well, you didn't point those out to me. So, I, I did. Oh, well, so, so, so you are allowed to. Um, there, there's just certain words that you know, you know, from Is the old George English. Yeah, some of George Carlin's seven words are still acceptable, but but some are not. Constant guesswork. Okay, <laughs> you know. we're gonna run it up the flagpole. We're gonna throw the noodles against the wall and see what happens here. Try you know, not to it's get in trouble. You, you never know what might happen. So, and then also, Stacy Champion. We met in two thousand three. I do remember where we met. We met in Anaheim at uh, a conference that Susan Valenti was uh, running. Was it two thousand three? I believe it. I think so. It, it was a West Coast conference uh, because that yeah. was. Uh, you weren't old enough to drink at the time. Aaron Brockovich was was the uh, Aaron Brockovich was there as the um, uh, keynote, Kino. and I was uh, moderating a panel with her that night. And she and I got literally trashed in the bar for four hours, and then went on stage in front of a thousand people. Yeah, that was that's. And you you were there at Cross. I remember I you were at that one. I got kicked out of there. Yeah, I, yeah, I introduced oh. her actually. 
Yeah, that was. I feel uh, like it might have been before then for some reason. Well, it might, it might have been, but I, we definitely met there. You know, we we, we were there. Remember me? Well, you were there more as a consumer advocate at that point. Yeah, he's just he's giving you context. That's all. Yeah, I'm just trying to just trying to get some context. I, yeah, I digress. I started talking about Aaron Brockovich and totally like. That was a terrible introduction, um, but anyway, you started as a you started as somebody who had had indoor environmental issues in your own property, right, and became an advocate, mm-hmm. and then you became a consultant, mm-hmm. and then you became a and then you started a PR business, and now you, but now you're. I had that company for ten years, and okay. I did support work too. Um, PR. And then yeah, for the what kind of PR do you do? Um. I all kinds of stuff, but I still do a ton of like consumer advocacy and activism. Wow. Which is where I see you. You're, I mean, I would consider you somewhat of a social justice warrior. Yeah, I am. In Phoenix, you you clearly are. You, you you've been fighting the big bad utilities in the Southwest, uh, uh, advocating for people that are getting their power shut off, and that's that's critical right now, isn't it? I mean, what's what's it's going? On? Tell us about what's going on in Phoenix. I mean, just in the last few weeks I've been uh, I've been out with a time a time magazine photojournalist the New York Times uh, last week I was out with a, a news crew from uh, a Netherlands the like the Dutch Netherlands station um, which was really interesting so yeah like I have been doing all kinds of stuff centered around you know, heat and tracking the heat ducts here for a number of years now. And so solutions surrounding that for both the both indoor and outdoor heat ducts and our vulnerable populations. Um, and then also, yeah, I took on, I just, yeah, as a weird love project, decided to take on our state's largest multi-billion dollar utility monopoly because uh, I don't know why. <laughs> you don't know why. Yeah, because I'm feisty. You are feisty. You were feisty when I met you, and you're still feisty. I'm still feisty. I'm 29 in my head forever. Well, actually, you still look 29, which is ridiculous. It's like, I, no, but, you know, Ed actually hasn't aged much either. What the hell? I'm the one that's aging here. It's starting to upset me. No, you're not at all. Well, I'm aging a little. I'm definitely chubbier. Well, I mean, you can't get any shorter. (laughs) Oh, oh. she's here all night, folks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I want to know what Stacy's drinking. What are you? It looks like Peroni. It is a Peroni. Yeah, I'm a fan of good, light Italian, refreshing beers. Like wow, fantastic. Is that coffee? We've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff here over the, over the, whoa. Whoa, earthquake so, in Phoenix. So, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it, the assassins from the utility company. Of, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, she's like, well, at least we have documentation on it, so that's that's good. Well, so, Ed, um, yeah. I, I, I had I had to comment on the fact that you won a prestigious award at the RIA uh, conference yeah. a, a couple weeks back. I did. Yeah. Thank you. So, so you've got to tell me about. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the award, but I'm not really familiar about what you have to do to win it. Well, I'm um, looking at it on the wall right here. It's the Martin L. King Award honoring Edward H. Cross for his many 
contributions and sincere dedication to the restoration industry. And um, it's what RIA calls the zenith of all of its awards. And I was uh, pretty blown away when they, they said my name a couple of weeks ago in uh, Orlando and went up there and uh, stood there with all these luminaries and, and gurus and um, did not feel worthy by a long shot, but uh, very, very grateful to that. And, um, you know, by talking about that, you forced me to be serious, you know, in the middle of our, our party here, Bob. Oh, yeah. Forget that. Well, here's the thing. It's it's okay for you to, for us to be, you know, take on some serious topics. Because, again, the premise here is that we're at the end of the day at a conference and, you know, there may be some serious topics. After hours. After hours. That's real serious. Well, not for you because you're West Coast, but it's after hours for me. Yeah, it's, it's five o'clock somewhere. It is. It is. So so that's pretty cool. Um. So I, I, first question I have to ask you, because I, I was looking at, you, you know, your uh, bio and, and your website and stuff, and I noticed that there's a, there's a byline in there saying that you were the attorney to the restoration industry since 97, I think. Right. Yeah. I, I question that, though, because you were doing more IAQ stuff back in night. No, no, no. You were around then. You were, you were he has the forehead. He has the forehead. You were not in the restoration industry then. Yeah, you, I absolutely was, man. Were you? My, my first client, Central Flood Management down in San Diego, the restorers invited me to their conventions and said, what do we need to do so that you won't sue us? And uh, the first one I did was in 97, and uh, Gene Willis with Central Flood Management said, I want you to do some work for me, and I resisted at first, but he was very persuasive, and one thing led to another and another, and now that's all I do, represent restoration contractors. Well, I get that now. I, I see that that's you know where your where your uh, predominant thing is. But I, I would I would mention that you the first stage I saw you on was an IAQ event, not a not a uh, uh, restoration restoration yeah. event. Yeah. So we did multiple hundreds of IAQ cases on behalf of occupants and owners. They were construction defect cases, landlord tenant cases, insurance bad faith cases. Uh, but you know by the year two thousand, the insurance industry said. We're not going to pay any more money out on mold-related illness cases. Just like across the board, we're not going to pay on them. And so uh, that was uh, very, very discouraging. And I really uh, saw myself getting involved more in the corporate end of things because I grew up working for my dad, who was a contractor. So um, it works, you know, drafting contracts, enforcing the contracts, and then uh, defending the inevitable um, defect and, and workmanship complaints that come along with it i mean it definitely makes sense and you know it's funny that you're reminiscing about the days when you know the, the wild west or i guess the gold the mold rush of gold 2000 rush. Where, where you could uh you know basically get unlimited you know no job was too big no fee was too big right yeah that, that couldn't last forever though right yeah yeah so i, I want to tell a little story here for a second if i can uh if i sure. can commandeer the oh, event here wax <laughs> So um, I got really interested in the whole mold IAQ thing. And I'm a baby lawyer in Orange County, California. I had a bunch of mold clients that I was working for. And something came across my desk that said there was a convention where they were going to be talking about mold. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is like the most exciting thing. I mean, I was really, really jazzed. And I flew all the way across the country to go my, my very first convention. I've been to 150 since then. And I walk into this enormous room and Dr. Shaughnessy is there and Susan Valenti is there. And there's this guy up on the stage 
putting on this presentation and he's so funny and so bright and so flamboyant and he's got these awesome effects and slideshow and sound effects and he's got all this stuff time and he's hilarious and he's killing the room and he's in a plain black t-shirt is Bob Crow. And now here we are, decades, that was 1997. Here we are all these years later and, and I'm glad you finally changed that black t-shirt, Bobby. I usually wear a plain black T-shirt on these shows too, but tonight I thought this was appropriate. Yeah, you know. I drink and I know things. There you go. Uh, the costumes, like the costumes. How do you does anyone ever forget the costume? Yeah. What, yeah, I did used to wear costumes. Um, it was it was phenomenal though. I really don't dare more. An, an impressive uh, presentation and. You know, I've given 150 presentations since then, and I always go into thinking, what can I do to jazz this up, to add sound effects, to make it lively like Bob Krill? And I've never been able to uh, capture that. I just, you know, I, uh, my I, I bow to the master. My Sabbath conference, Sabbath conference story was, do you guys remember when Bill Nye, the science guy, spoke at yeah. the QA conference? And so I was presenting, too. I think, so that was like the very beginning kind of of the green building movement right and i was like super pumped on like why are we not at the table and why is no one even talking about iaq with green building stuff and um and and i was presenting i think on green building stuff at that conference but i got put glenn quite loved to death still um glenn put me in charge of like babysitting Bill Nye the Science Guy. And I was so excited about it because I was like, oh my God, I love Bill, like I've loved Bill Nye the Science Guy since I was a little kid. And he was so mean to me. He was like, just so, just not a pleasant human being. And I was really? like, oh, I was crushed. He seems like he would be a nice guy. That doesn't seem right. He was not, he was, not, he, was, he, was, he, was he was not friendly. He was like kind of arrogant and really just kind of like, and I was so, I was just like crushed. And I went up to Glenn and I was like, I think I need to go get drunk because I'm like, my dreams and hopes and my whole thing about Bill Nye the Science Guy is just a dash. So. No, just, just a question. Did you, did you refuse to wear a headset that night as well? I don't know. I don't know why. Can you not hear me? I'm I can hear you. I just trying to be funny. That's, I don't even mean that. He's giving you a hard time. Yeah, Bill Knight. You know what? I'll build, forget it. Bill Knight's out of my life right now. He's out of my life. Yeah. yeah I still kind of dig the guy, but all right. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, he's done such good work, and he's been like a good climate champion, everything. And I'm like, how can you personally like act like a dick to me? Especially like me. I'm Midwestern and nice and fun and funny, and I'm like. Well, television people are not necessarily nice. I will tell you. So I did, uh, you know, back uh, years ago, the ABC Extreme Home Makeover, you know, that, oh, that yeah. show. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, his uh, Tad or whatever his name was, Nad, you know, like, you know, the, the Ty, Ty, anything. <laughs> he he is, he's a miserable, miserable person in real life. Really? I'll say it. I don't care. I, I hope I run into him someday, because because I did run in into your him opinion. in your yeah, opinion. in your opinion. in my opinion. In my yes. opinion, you're right. That's that's important. That's important nuance there. It got well, you I, back, Bob. I, I had a ba I had a bad experience yeah, with him at the show. Know. So I asked uh, you to bring a lawyer, Bob. We, we did. We actually worked on this house for 44 hours without sleep. 
Wow. I had I had a crew there for 44 hours on on a build. I will say one thing, one acknowledgement about their show is they really do build a house in seven days. It's freaking it amazing. From zero. No, they, no, it didn't have mold, but there was like you know, a lot of safety issues that were going on that were crazy. I like people that. fell off a scaffold, and it was just, it was OSHA violation upon OSHA violation. Haste makes waste. They're probably yeah, well, they're going fast, you know. <laughs> they're going real fast. <laughs> you, so, you know, so now, but to well, your you point. You want to know what my, like, my current IAQ issue is? Oh, I'd yeah. love to hear that. Does your house smell? No, I just went through the gases on Friday night. What's that? A gas leak. I have a gas leak somewhere. A gas leak? Oh, you do. Yeah. Do you still have a gas leak? Yeah. yeah. Don't my, light up anything. My meter, everything's turned off. My meter is on lockdown. So you but, have no hot water then? Or do you have electric hot water? I have no hot water. So I have no hot water. I have no dryer. I have no stove. Uh, you well, look amazing, actually, I have without any water. Yeah. Well, it's also like 900 degrees here. <laughs> it's heated out of the tap, yeah, yeah. automatically. I, I can give you some functional advice, yeah. and, I, and I mean this. You take some dishwashing liquid, go to all your joints. They, yeah, we've already done that. You already did it? Did you get it? So check the pilot light. You gotta, you gotta, you, do you have a gas stove? Yeah. Gas check stove. check I mean, the pilot light. Everything's check, the lines, check the lines in your stove Yeah, there you go. that are in it. I actually I, almost caught a house on fire once. Really? Yeah. yeah, I don't know that he did that today, but the, the plumber who has expertise in gas stuff was here earlier today. But, you know, it's interesting. So, I'd like to. Zoe, teenager, we went to, I went to get Trivial Pursuit out of the closet, smelled the gas, called them, sent everybody outside. They came with the sniffer. The sniffer did not detect anything. And it's like parts per million. Right. And he found like nothing. It didn't pick up anything when he went and did the pressure test on the meter. That just was like, and so obviously, so I have like supersonic sniffer still. Did he zero it outside? You know, that's part of the BPI yeah. standards 1200. Yeah. They did. <laughs> a whole consultation here. Yeah. So when it, uh, let me tell you, I love to tell you my story because this reminds me of this This exact same happened to me when I was in a weatherization home and I could not find it. It smelled so strong. I checked everything. We looked all over the place and I know that my gas sniffer worked and uh, I turned on the blower door and I smelled smoke and I turned around and the stove was on fire because the the small gas line that was in the stove going to the pilot light was leaking. And I didn't check that. Oh. I checked behind the stove. I checked all the gas lines in the house. And then, of course, when I depressurized the house, place caught on fire. And it's still in litigation. No. <laughs> and I told I told them right away, Bob Krell's the name. <laughs> <laughs> Molds the game. He does a good. He does a good show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sue's ass. <laughs> Find me. Find me online. So that's my that's my recent. Uh, my that recent. sucks. Yeah, that's a drag. I, you know, it's funny. I, yeah, that's Stacey, not good at all. I'm like first world problems because I still have AC. I still have you know what I mean. So I have. It's it's okay. also it's bar, it's marginal. Well, it's not just first world though. It's a it is. Yeah, I guess hot water. Okay, yeah, you it's still have water, yeah. but it's okay. not the end of the world. Yeah, sure. let, like, I've, I think, been down, I've been down like trying to keep people alive who are unsheltered and 
passing out tents and multiple cases of water and battery sure. operated fans. Like this is, it's a gas leak. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't there just a giant explosion in, in uh, Beirut less than a year ago, right? Gas, right? By the harbor. Yeah. So you're right. No, uh, so funny, I accused That story. was fertilizer. That wasn't gas, was it? Wasn't that a fertilizer? Is there a difference? Stored- yeah, it was old stored fertilizer. I, thought it was, I always think gas, you know, methane farts. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this conversation has deteriorated perfectly. So you're yes, right. Yes. I have, I have a, another serious, I have some serious input. I'm sorry. Stacey yeah. reminded me of another story. Well, so, I was going to say the whole uh, renewable natural gas is total bullshit. And because I can say bullshit, and I'm going to say that. Yeah. You can say that. That that That's an acceptable word here. Yeah, Except for, and, and, and even allow that even on the, on the daytime Thursday show. Now, just a quick question, Ed. Do we need to worry about getting a letter from the bullshit industry? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, you are uh, violating and infringing on their uh, trademark, copyrighted material, and intellectual property. And uh, uh, bullshit.com is going to be sending you an email anytime now. Son of a bitch. Well, well, I'm sorry, Bob. It was fun hanging yeah, out with you. Fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fun while it lasted. Um, are you it, in it, Springs right now, or are you in Hawaii? He's not, he's not telling us. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, Palm Springs. Yeah, oh, yeah, but aloha to all my brothers in the islands. I'll be there soon, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, in you know, more than in theory, I anticipate I'll be seeing you in Honolulu for the uh, for Absolutely. the event. I'm a sponsor. So are we. I'm all over that. Everybody should go. Iziak, you're going to tell them the dates, Bob? I'm sure. I, I am. We're, I'm going to do a promotion for it a little, when we take our break. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll do more formalized. Uh, I thought you know, we were on so. a break now. Yeah, I guess this it is kind of like a permanent a vacation. The show is kind of a break. Um, okay. But we, we are, you know, I, I didn't have the graphic queued yet to go. So, you know, sorry. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah, well, I'll, I will tell you a lot more about that event in, in probably a half hour. Right. <laughs> so, stand by, yeah. Hawaii, I would like to go. So, and I miss you guys, and I miss like I miss I miss the I miss the industry in a lot of ways, and I mean I think I think that there's a lot of crossover to the things that I've been doing all these years that that have carried over, um, but like I'm like I miss. I don't miss wearing a respirator all the time. I will say that. I don't miss wearing a respirator in a Tyvek suit, um, really, at all. Like, I like that I can wear cute shoes and don't have a, lot, a respirator line on my face all the time. But I miss the, like, I loved it. Like, I, I loved, I loved it. Like, I loved the building science stuff, and I loved... I loved being able to like figure out things that nobody else could figure out when people were having health issues. And um, I don't know, there's a lot that I miss about it. You're a sleuth. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's got like the weird kind of forensic science stuff, right, right. all the building science stuff, like I miss it. Well, I mean, I, I see that too, Stacey. So I, I still do it. You know, um, you know, I, I, obviously I'm working on healthy indoors and, and doing that. And that's, I would say it's my primary focus, but I, I'm still in the industry. I still do consulting work, 
God, I still I'm still involved with commercial air duct cleaning. I have one federal client that we've had for 27 years that you know st- still like two or three months a year I'll find myself in the Washington D.C. area, you know, at two in the morning looking at big ductwork systems and you know laboratories. So well, like you the, can't get away. When the plumber was here, I was like, okay, here's my theory. You know, I'm like, I have like walked outside, I walked the house, I got a ladder, and I looked at the roof, and and I'm like, I know that, you know, the gas dryer used to be here, so like, I think like the Southwest Gas guy didn't necessarily check like where to cap that line, so that's an easy fix. And I had, and he's looking at me like, what the hell? And I was like, I used to do this stuff. <laughs> so like, really. But I'm, I do, I miss it. And I miss the people, um, too. So. You, can, you can still be with us virtually. Yeah. You know, I mean, you see how that works. That's like I holding hands glasses. with gloves on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really Safety is. first, Ed. <laughs> what? Safety, Safety first. first. You, you know, though, you do get used to it, right? You get used to wearing respirators. Now, Ed, I, I got to ask you, Ed, you know, as an attorney, did you find yourself having to go out and suit up to go investigate places that relate pertaining to cases? I did not so hundreds, much? hundreds of investigations. I went through the AEE program. I earned the certification as a uh, certified indoor air quality consultant. And I got sick of having to pay all my good buddies in the uh, the IAQ industry tens of millions of thousands of dollars to do all this mold sampling. So I went out and started doing my own kind of pretest to figure out which cases I was going to spend the money on having an IEP come out on. And so I have my aerosol and I I contacted uh, Eric out there in uh, in Phoenix and I did viable. We're, sampling you're dating yourself and, now. Okay. Yeah, but that, that's that's who I started I with too. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did all that stuff and came up with some really jacked up results that it wrong a bunch of times and, um, you know, sticking air hoses Allegedly. inside walls and yeah, <laughs> it was uh, really something. And uh, the insurance industry is darn glad that I've stopped doing that. Probably for a few reasons. Right. Um, well, you know, I, I always question, you know, people getting outside of, you know, their, their core expertise, but, but I will say, like I said, you know, earlier in the show, uh, being deposed by you was really troubling because you were the first attorney that I ever ran into that even understood at all what I do. So that made it, that made it very challenging to sit there and be, you know, be cross-examined by you, you know, and and if if somebody asked me questions that actually crossed by cross, I got crossed by cross back to to the bullshit industry. That is. Yeah. But it was, it it was, it was a challenge. I got to say, you know, it's like, it's Susan, Susan's there on the moderation side, but she, you know, that was her event years ago. And, uh, you know, she said, Oh, you want to go up and, you know, we're going to do mock deposition and, you know, take care of you. And I was really full of myself back then. I really thought that I knew my stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And you did. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, but you know what? You you got me to unravel a little, and that was good. Making friends and influencing. No, people. no, but that's what. Like you're the, you're you're the type of attorney that I would want on my side. You know, deposing the other side. I have made uh, a couple of 
uh, PhD environmental industrial hygienist people actually cry when they're under <laughs> oak, like visible tears. <laughs> okay, you had, were, the, were these big cry. name people you made cry, or I just know, like you know, kind of lower tier second? Uh, how, how can you be sure their eyelids weren't sweating? Yeah, that's that's possible. Maybe maybe that was it, Jay. Mine do that all the time. Yeah. I also have allergies. Sometimes that bothers me when people give me a hard time. They they were not big names, but I was defending a big name in uh, an arbitration, and she began to cry. I mean, this is one of the ultra. Elite you made your client people. cry too. I, I was just sitting there. <laughs> you're just you're to you're to you're just an herself. awful man. I I know. Well, sometimes you have to make people cry, Bob. It's true. Like, yeah, that's, that's the spirit. Big thing. boys don't cry. It's cathartic. Don't cry. And I really like What's See? that? I like See? your shirt. Oh, thank you. It's a Tyvek suit. This is my uh, Oh Jesus ensemble. I put this on and people go, Oh Jesus. <laughs> well, it fits, it fits in with that lounge that you're at. Yeah. yeah it's, this is my basement, actually. Here yeah, basement. it kind of it looks like somewhere in Las Vegas. but yeah, I was going for that kind of vibe when I decorated it. Well, you know, I, I, I think you hit it. I think you hit it. No. That's nice. Let me... Yeah, that's good. It's one of those awkward pauses. We're missing Glenn. We should have had Glenn on with us. Glenn Fellman? Yeah. What's Glenn up to? That's a good question. He's not in the industry anymore. Yeah. Um, we, we occasionally uh, send each other really funny funny messages so glenn and i glenn and i <laughs> um she's not sure if she wants to reveal this publicly <laughs> yeah, yeah, um we we had a bunch of the people in the industry's like voices down really really well and so we still on occasion send each other funny funny messages i just got one from him recently and they make me literally almost Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, if we're, we're going to go back to like the, the old days too, um, again, I think this was the first conference I met you at was the Anaheim one, I think, because it's when you, you had the Howard Stern uh, electronic fart machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had that. And, and, and it had a remote control and you stuck it under the table. So talk about an after hours. We're after the conference sitting out at the lounge and an outside table and she had this little battery powered box under the table with a remote control and you know it was periodically setting off wave sounds i think i got one of the servers to like put it in their apron and then i controlled the remote do you remember that i i i remember a little bit of that day but not a lot and then <laughs> didn't i do it to you at one of your weren't you speaking and probably I did it i think i did there's no doubt and then the I remember the another time, another conference where I like, I don't remember where we were. I feel like we were somewhere on the East Coast. But four Seasons of uh, Landscaping? It, yeah, Four Seasons Landscaping. It was definitely like an afterwards moment. Um, and we just rode the elevator with it. Oh, perfect. And it was really... Like, well, people, people are definitely <laughs> troubled by it. You know, especially if you sit there and you go, oh, <laughs> excuse me. It's, it is like so juvenile, but it is like such like, like good, clean humor. It's just so, it's, it, so it's pure humor, you know. It is. I mean, like, 
if you don't think like fart noises are funny, I think are probably then crazy. you need to grow up. You need to grow up. That mean that might be one of the wisest statements, you the most intellectual statements ever. Especially in the especially well, pick any industry. Like oh my god, especially attorneys, right? They're so serious. Bullshit industry too. They're so everybody's so. So serious. And so, yeah, I don't. Yeah. It doesn't look yep. that serious. We're, we're a very, uh, yeah. very serious not, bunch here. You it's know, not yeah. from the normal cloth. So I think that's fair to say. And then we'll grab another beer. Hold on. I, 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 she's drinking the big beers. Too. She is drinking whatever, whatever so that means. There. She's yeah, drinking the big the beer. Really tall ones. So while she, while she's out, um. <laughs> We're going to talk gone. about her. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Stacy while she's not in the room. Uh, but it's funny, the Anaheim thing. If I remember correctly now, Mr. Cross, I, and I'm just re- revisiting, we'll have to get back into, uh, you know, uh, maybe more stuff that's germane to or what we should be talking about. But you you and I sat in a conference. It might have been that one. It might have been somewhere else down in Texas. And there was some prominent presenter up there. And you and I were really giving that individual a very hard time because that person was spewing some nonsense and we both knew better. Ah. And I won't say, I won't go any further because, you know, it's, you know, kind of a sacred cow. Was that but one of the big names? It was one of the big names. Okay. Were we talking about EFIS systems? Uh, we were talking about what went down at Dripping Springs with the Melinda Ballard case. Ah, okay. All right. Well, that person was. The person, the, person, the person was on a stage in front of like 800 to 900 people. Right. Not really recanting the facts as they occurred. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I felt, I felt compelled to actually raise my Speak hand up. and say things. And you kind of did too. And we were, we were on the side, if I remember correctly. And I think mm-hmm. really. It's right before we got arrested. I, I don't remember getting arrested. Yeah. Well, you'd had a few that night. <laughs> Arrests? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no drinks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking something else. So, so let's let us let us talk about the elephant in the room as far as what's going on here in this country. Um, well, there's a couple couple elephants in the room. I mean, the the COVID thing. I mean, you know, it's I'm in New York. New York, you know, is fairly high vaccination rate. I, I don't believe their numbers. I said this in the last show when they were saying, oh, it's, we're 70% vaccinated. I find that hard to believe. But we're high, we're higher vaccinated in some areas. And it seems like New York's not really having a big resurgence. But some areas are. And certainly, like, uh, uh, someone that we've had on our show, Barun uh, Argawal from uh, uh, India, uh, you know, just he, he's in New Delhi, and he's, you know, just saying how terrible things are there. It's just really... You know, this is far from over globally. So the, my question, so my question here opposed to you guys, what, what do you think the fall looks like? Are we going to have a, a resurgence here? Stacy? I think we already, I think we already are. We're already seeing it. I mean, also, um, I live in Arizona. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What's up? Sorry. Um, I mean, I live in Arizona, so. So as far as the statistics, we'd probably need a recount. This is, I mean, it's the, it's, it's the wild, wild west. Literally, it it literally is. I mean, you've got tombstone in your state. Technically. Um, you know, we're the, we're the, the, the Petri dish for bad kind of Alex 
American Legislative Exchange Council driven um, model bills. Uh, we have a bunch of the main players who are tied to the stuff, the steel stuff. Like we currently still have the the the, the audit, the fraud going on right now. Um, you know, we had. I just I don't think we're out of you have a a large number of people who literally don't believe in science. So not done. They I call mean, it opinion. Definitely not out of the woods. Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Yeah. Yeah. Who's thankfully been, you know, gone for a while. But but the culture remains and the I mean it's a it's a weird place. And you know, like Several days ago, I was downtown, like passing out uh, some tents and some different stuff. Oh, it was the day that I was down with the with the film crew from the Netherlands. And there's a, this guy, Austin, who has a, a student group who does outreach and different things. And they had a table set up and they were passing out Gatorade and water to unsheltered people. And the Phoenix PD roll up and we're, they were kind of like staged in this, uh, the edge of this parking lot of an abandoned building across from a camp where people are living in 110 plus degree weather, right? And they were like, yeah, you got, you can't be here. And I was like, we're, pat, we're it's Gatorade, right? Like there's nobody, there's nobody at the- Well, building. nobody was in line to vote, so you should be able to give out drinks. <laughs> So they were like, no, like, they, and the cop looked at me and he's like, he's like, I could literally arrest you. Well, he probably didn't use the word literally. I could arrest you for trespassing on site. And I said, well, I'm sure you very well could, but arresting a middle-aged white mom for giving Gatorade to unsheltered folks is not really going to be a great look for the city, I can assure you. So do you want to That's your go, PR side too. Do you want to just that. let us move across the street? And they were like, yes, you have to move. And then Austin said, did the building owner make a complaint? Did the building owner call you? Mm -hmm. And you said, no. So this is a place I live. Mm -hmm. um, I've lived here for more than 20 years now. I'm very... I've had lots of coming to Jesus moments about this place. And you have this like really, you know, kind of stain urban core. And I shouldn't say stain, that's not fair. Um, it's just very, it's, it's the wild west. I don't think we're out of the woods. I, I mean, we like, we have tons of elected officials who literally still think climate change is a hoax. So there you go. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I think we have people in this industry that think that, which amazes well, me that people that, that do, sci you know, do scientific work, right? If you're a consultant. I, there's guys that, that didn't, there are guys that argue what the cause of it is. Well, that and is. I've heard that. They, and, not that it's a I, hoax, just that it's, that's not caused by carbon. You know oh, what? I, you, I, can I, have, you, you can have, you can have that debate. And you, can, and you can and you can have the debate and i have uh, and what 
what that's how I know what the the action should be, what the remedial action should be. I think that's what the, that's that's the only debate is what what action should be taken. Well, I think that that's that's the debate. That's it, right? And it, so whether it's like it's like it's like arguing over gravity. I mean, gravity exists, but what do we do about gravity? You know? Well, I think COVID and climate change, right? It's like you have it's 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 both relevant, right? Like it like we're at a point where. And I say this all the time. I'm like, I don't really care if you believe like aliens in sequin pantsuits cause climate change, or you think. And I feel the same way about like COVID, right? Like the the, and especially like as somebody who literally wore a respirator every day, all day for eight years, and then people are crying about wearing masks. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're wearing a P100, a real mask. Yeah, yeah big, you know, uh, you know big what person it, mask. Yeah, right. What? But it's it's that same. I just, I don't know. I think the bigger question is when did we as a country stop believing in science? I think that's the question. Well, I don't think it's the whole, I, I think that there's a, I think the problem that we have is that there's a minority of people who are, have a bigger mouth than the rest of the people. I think we still are the, you know, statistically, you know, majority of us are not do believe in science it's just that the the bigger more powerful minority uh well i shouldn't say bigger minority it's kind of a uh, there's a <laughs> the bigger mouths are with the minority of people that uh that you're talking about but i completely agree with you i just don't think it's i, I don't believe it i think we saw it you know we saw it <laughs> if you believe in the, the presidential election you saw it if you don't <laughs> you're probably the same person that doesn't believe in global warming and no use talking to you anyway. You're probably not watching us, so. <laughs> well, they don't automatically weird. draw that line, you know. Well, I mean, they could. <laughs> don't, I don't even know what you're doing, and I think you better not do it, whatever it is. What did that say? <laughs> I had to write it backwards, so. <laughs> I'm smart and not smart. I don't know. I mean... I just, I think it's like, I mean, there were, there were people here who held protests and rallies over masks, you know, I mean, like, of, of course, we're not going to get past this. Quickly. But if you read, you know, historically back in the, uh, the Spanish flu in, in uh, 1918, there was pro there were protests in major cities like San Francisco had ten thousand people protesting wearing masks in nineteen eighteen. This is not new. This is not new territory for us. But that's part of the problem. It's like none of it is new. You know? But I Amen. don't feel like we are willing to learn from our mistakes and Never. mistakes and not keep God, I am a lightweight, you guys. No, you're right though. No, you're making sense. Keep going. We 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 don't learn from our mistakes, and we keep repeating bad history yep. over and over and over and over. Well, that's human nature, though, isn't it? No, it's U.S. So, well, you, eh, so the whole world does that. Do you remember? Do you guys remember, like, when all the news broke about like kids in cages and all that stuff was going on, right? Yep, like, last year. And and we have um, no, it wasn't last year. It was maybe Vietnam before that. <laughs> No. I don't know. I'm trying to help. <laughs> That's really helpful. So, so, 
I worked, there was a, a documentary film that I worked on that I did the, the PR for. Um, it was called Busy 17. And it was about the, um, so the, the Bisbee deportation. So Bisbee is this very small mining town in kind of a rural south, is it southeast? I'm trying to remember. I think it's southeast, Arizona. Um, beautiful place. I love it. It's a great town. Is that by Jerome? No. It's, no. No, Jerome. Okay. Because that's another Jerome quirky is place. Jerome, Jerome is north. North, right. It's it is north, yeah. South of Tucson. But so, Salt Dodge uh, owns Bisbee. There's a mining town. And so, just over 100 years ago, um, the, the, the Wobblies came in to try to organize the mine workers who were mainly Eastern Europe, European immigrants and Mexican immigrants, okay, for safer, for safer working conditions. And, um, and the, the sheriff, the sheriff, his name was Sheriff Wheeler, he would have been like Arpaio, right, of, of this day and age, but this is just over 100 years ago. The basically like Phelps Dodge started spinning out all this propaganda about how they were like helping the enemy and blah 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 and just like did this whole like fear-mongering campaign that then caused them to they they deputized all of these men in the town. They went out on this one morning in July with guns and rounded up not just the they had a posse. Not just all the striking miners, but the sympathizers in the town. They rounded them up at gunpoint, gunpoint, and they marched them to the train station where they put all these people on cattle cars with no food and no water and basically deported them to New Mexico and told them if they ever tried to come back to town, they would kill them. And so, like, the when I was, the, the timing of when the film came out and with what was going on currently is so, I mean, history is repeating itself like over and over and over and over, right? And it's like, you have these big corporate interests. You have, you know, this, this massive divide in, in equity here, right? And disparity. <clears throat> None of, none of it has changed, and we just choose to not. And if you even ask like tons of people from Arizona, they don't even know this happened. And they actually used Jerome as a test before they did this in Bisbee, mm -hmm. not mining. Okay, so so, so so there's there's been an ongoing uh, track record of doing this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. My point being that yeah, I mean, you did have a point, right? I was I'm not trying to cut you off. I mean, it was over a hundred years ago. And like, my point being like, we make the choices to not learn and correct. From our mistakes. Yeah. Okay. Or is it that because our education system has been hobbled on purpose so that we don't learn? This sounds like an awful liberal show. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What's the difference in why? this? Is this why, is it... why is that liberal? No, like, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just messing like, with Aren't we peddling some... Uh, like, are we peddling why, some... Uh... Why no, no, no. no, no. I, I, don't disagree people, with, I don't disagree with your point. I like, really don't. You know what I mean? Like, people yeah. should have, like, safe 
places to work, right? Yeah, least, yeah. You know, it's like I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. Unless you're a cop. Just kidding. That's a joke. Well, it's a dangerous. Trying to break it up. Just trying to break it up. So, so, I, so I've got a question from the audience. I want to take because there's they're starting to stack up here. So I got one for Ed actually, um, and this this is like totally not what we were just speaking about, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. Um, how do we get restaurant owners to do IAQ monitoring? And this is coming from uh, Tim, Timothy. Any thoughts? Well, um, I, I think I would probably pursue that on. Uh, a local level and, you know, speak to your city council or somebody there if you've got uh, concerns about something that's happening in a local establishment, particularly if you've got, you know, evidence that they're not following the CDC guidelines. I heard that a um, mask mandate just uh, kicked in in LA again this week. And so, um, you know, you got to make a lot of noise. And back to the political point you guys were making a little while ago, so often in politics, unfortunately, it's the loudest voice in the room that wins. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I would say, I would say make a lot of noise. And uh, if it gets really bad, you know, you can go to Yelp. It's, it's a pretty powerful uh, tool now. Business owners are horrified when somebody, you know, posts a bad uh, review about them. And, you know, it shouldn't be weaponized. Uh, but if you've got a concern, you know, make your voice heard. Yeah, I think it's interesting that your your response, Ed, because you were, it seemed like you, what I heard the question was just indoor quality in general, not, uh, it, uh, not uh, I think what you were, you were responding to is them just sort of not following CDC guidelines, right, Ed? Well, or trying to get them to follow any other kind of common sense uh, guideline from anybody else and, you uh -huh. know, to, to I'd want to have a reason first, you know, some kind of uh, concern. Do you have, you know, and then we contact the health department, right. you know, tell the health department, hey, there's a contaminated condition here or whatever, and uh, we should pay attention to that. So, so I, I have to do a quick intro for Joe Medosh. Are you driving and actually coming on the show while you're behind the wheel? Oh, the dog's driving. All right. Hello, Joe. Okay. Yeah, keep your keep your drink out of sight, dude. Yeah. yeah. Are you, where's your drink? <laughs> well, I, I my thing is that I think that if I, I think if you just and Joe, I think Joe, did you hear the question? Because this is something that I know that you're interested in, but before. Joe responds, you know, uh, obviously, if you're cooking food and you have people, it's going to be very, I think the majority of restaurants probably have extremely high particulate rates. There are probably a number of other issues. I mean, depending on how, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, how douchey the place is, there might be a lot of people wearing cheap perfume and VOCs could be through the roof. Is that the kind of places but, you, you frequent? Well, yeah. If I get free drinks, I'll go anywhere. Okay. So you know, that's why we're here after this uh, conference. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'd love to hear what Joe thinks because I know Joe's got a got an opinion. Uh, Joe's froze. Oh, there he is. Do you have audio, Joe? You're going to get Joe in a car accident, and that, we're documenting that now to the entire world. <laughs> Joe, do you have audio? Ha <laughs> ha 
<laughs> yeah, I think on that note, I'm not, Sorry, I'm not sure exactly that. how we... What was the original question? The original yeah. question was, uh, how can we get restaurant owners to do IAQ monitoring? And again, it was a generic IAQ question. Right. I don't think it was specific to COVID, the way it was worded. And I, I would say, Timothy, uh, you know, pop it up in the chat if you uh, if you have a follow-up to that, and we'll, we'll entertain it. Hey, you know, so I'm going to take this this opportunity, this opportunity, to um, actually do a plug for the conference that we were talking about here, right? Um, so coming up uh, in uh, in Honolulu uh, this November 9th through 11th, okay, is the Healthy Buildings America 2021 conference. It's called Bridging the Gap Between Research and Practice, and um, it is uh, obviously part of the ISIAC, the International Society for Indoor Air Quality and Climates, uh, one of their two flagship events. They do healthy buildings and they do indoor air. Um, and these are events they do periodically around the globe. So this this one is being uh, hosted in Hawaii by Siri, which is the cleaning industry, uh, excuse me, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute. Uh, so they're sponsoring it. We're actually a sponsoring organization for that as well. Uh, healthy indoors is uh so is ed right yeah got, so um absolutely so so ed's actually a sponsor of that as well um we're looking forward to that i think it's going to be an interesting event in that it's going to um potentially bring researchers and some practitioners together in an actual uh venue um uh, where there you know there might be some good opportunities for networking which i, I think is fantastic so that's uh that's an event we'll be uh we'll be talking about that a lot more as we get closer to the event uh we'll also be um uh doing some shows based on that and talking a little bit about it. we've had on our thursday show we've had john downey and richard shaughnessy here uh, a couple months back discussing it and uh we'll be doing a little bit more on that um the other thing i did want to plug right now is uh the uh healthy indoors uh, online community we have launched it it's available and it's something you should be part of That was kind of an abrupt ending, wasn't it? Ed's going and getting all my uh, royalty-free songs and just copying them quickly because they're very easy licks. That's why David Lee Roth used to play with his back to the, to the audience. Yeah. David Lee Roth didn't play guitar. Very yeah, he rarely. did for Ice Cream Man. It is yeah, so. okay, rarely he played guitar. Anyway. He played the Dave Sickle. I meant Eddie Van Halen. You know what I meant. I, I actually know. I took you uh, face value, which was probably yeah. the first mistake. Really? Well, I guess it's the perfect time to say I, I accept this invitation uh, from Healthy Indoor Magazine to be a, the first over 45-year-old scholar to be brought to this fantastic uh, conference in Hawaii. It's been a big honor for me, so thank you all so much. <laughs> right, Stacy. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, yes, yeah, I'm cool. just my bit. My big, you, you know, the one one thing that I, I'm excited about this event 
Oh, Stacy's like, muted. Sorry, Stacy. I had you. It's like Hollywood out. Squares. It is. Yeah, Bobby, we got Stacy. We got Jay over there. Stacy, you're not Jay unmuting. There. there you go. Oh no, I hit you. I Sorry. You. Try it again. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about thermal comfort. Let's yeah. talk about thermal comfort. That's a great topic. Idea. One of the things. So 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 not only just like that outdoor heat dust, but the indoor heat dust, and I've helped um, kind of expose deaths and think about this um, to utilities shut off um and so right now we're for, so some of our utilities are regulated by the arizona corporation commission which works as like the fourth branch of government in arizona um SRP, who is another like the, the kind of like second big Phoenix utility provider, is not regulated by Corpcom. And so in 2019, um, there was this, this the news broke of this woman, Stephanie Pullman, whose AC had been shut off on a 107 degree day. She actually died in, in 2018, but the, the death uh, was outed in 2019. That then led to this emergency shutoff moratorium for the regulated utilities that's currently in place. Um, but so we've been kind of working through the process. I had to scream and shout to get public health and, and science experts kind of at the table with this and so it's going through the formal rulemaking process but what is currently on the table is the utilities the regulated utilities having a choice between either a june 1 to october 15 moratorium or uh 95 degrees or higher and so I still think that it needs some work. And I keep bringing up building science because as you guys know, if it's 95 degrees outside, depending on what the place is built from and insulation and a hundred other things, like mm -hmm. the, that indoor tub could be much higher. And the other thing is like pushing for data-driven policy because what the data here shows is that the indoor heat dust really kind of start kicking up at like the 90 degree Fahrenheit mark. And so like I've been pushing for it to be 90 degrees and for there to be like a temperature-based threshold outside of the moratorium because the other thing is that in Phoenix the heat dust typically start in April and so you have you know, half of April, some years, and like all of May, when people are dying. And there were actually uh, two disconnect deaths, or well, two people who died after their power was disconnected um, in May of this year before the moratorium kicked into effect. So I would like to hear your guys' thoughts on that, because like I have been, I mean, working my ass off on this stuff. And it literally is set up to keep people alive. So, how about it? Ed, you're, you look like you're chomping. Well, I mean, you 
you still are involved or you have been involved in personal injury, right? That's some of what you, some of what you practiced. Well, not now. No, but no, you used but, you used to back in the day. Back when I was ago, doing mold cases. When I first yeah. met you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was it, man. With construction defect along with it. Yeah. And and the and there like the big main utility, the one who I directly took on. I mean, there are um, several families, including Stephanie Pullman, the woman who died. Like the minute her family was bought off, like they went radio. So they went from telling me that, um, you know, they wanted to make sure that nobody else's mom died to, and I get it, you know, they signed the paperwork, like I get it, it happened. Um, yeah. I mean, so, so here's the thing, I'll, I'll just interject a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's got to be safety nets in place for these circumstances because there are certainly many people that are you know they're in compromised positions and obviously having a utility shut off in the middle of a heat wave if you're somebody that you know actually almost anybody could, could suffer heat stroke but certainly somebody that is in those segments of older or some form of you know medical uh uh compromise are, are going to put themselves in a lot you know a lot more jeopardy so that's that's uh is that is that something that's in place in a lot of the you know because we've got heat waves everywhere right I mean even the Northwest is full of heat waves I mean I'm seeing Rich Corsi's post from Portland hitting what 108 degrees last fire. week fire. that's insanity that's insa I mean Portland 108 degrees yeah in Kansas, there's tons of people um, yeah Washington State a lot of people um, yeah. so I mean it's the weather is getting more extreme but like as far as like the this industry right there should be um i mean i think that there needs to be kind of a better crossover tying you know climate and public health stuff into mm -hmm. the conversation so i have a question for ed ed how hard legally or and you know you can be as detailed as you like would it be to prove that someone was responsible for the death of someone because they, uh, like an organization, I won't say any names, but you know, an organization was responsible for killing someone. Is that feasible? I mean, nobody's, have they done it? Has it been done? Is there, is there a uh, principle or precedent? precedent? I, I haven't heard about that being done, but you know, there's been some gigantic lawsuits against the public utilities, like for example, for the wildfires that we had out here in California, billions of dollars of settlements paid. And one thing that people don't realize about a lot of bodily injury or wrongful death uh, types of cases is that in civil court, the, the standard, the name of the standard for causation is medical certainty but it doesn't mean medical certainty what it means is a probability and so the the only burden of proof that you have in court is to show that the defendant was a substantial factor in causing the injury or the death that occurred 
<clears throat> and it could have been combined with multiple other causes, but if one entity is a substantial factor in uh, causing the death, for example, you know, you'd want to have an autopsy and, you know, they do the same thing that they uh, do in the mold cases, which is to say, well, this is pre-existing, this is something that would have happened anyway, and look at the medical records, I see this woman died five times before, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever it happens to be. But, um, you know, we hear about uh, proving something in court beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, that's the standard in a criminal case. You don't have to prove that in civil court to get uh, money damages. You just have to show that you're probably right and that the it's defendant What's that? Eggshell skull theory. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Eggshell skull theory says that you take a plaintiff as you find them. So if somebody has uh, an unusually severe injury as a result of uh, a trauma that's actually uh, somewhat light uh, that wouldn't have caused uh, such a severe injury in other people, you're still responsible for the full severity of the injury. And it comes from an old case in England from like 900 years ago where somebody uh, suffered a very, uh, very mild blow to the head, but had a serious brain injury as a result of it because they had a very thin skull. They call it the thin skull doctrine or the eggshell skull doctrine. Well, naturally, we see this a lot in IAQ cases because you've got somebody who has hypersensitivity or they're severely allergic to mold. And, and those are the types of cases uh, that are stronger because of it. So, you know, on TV, we hear a lot about you know, going to court and proving something beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the standard in a criminal case. You don't need to have that stand, that, that level of proof in a civil case. And if somebody who is otherwise of reasonably good health uh, dies unexpectedly and you get an autopsy that says that, you know, it, the, the cause was heat related, and I don't know how to, how to prove that, uh, how, how a, somebody, a coroner could go about establishing that, uh, but that would, be, uh, that would be something strong legally. And of course, if the, the deceased were a wage earner, um, that would uh, something that would be a lot more appealing to, uh, to get lawyers behind it. I don't do that kind of work. I'm not looking for that kind of work. This isn't a commercial. Just saying. No, we, we gotta do that. But yeah, I mean, but you are involved. You, you, so you've been involved fairly heavily. Um, I remember you started uh, a LinkedIn discussion group almost when I started the Healthy Indoors discussion group back in maybe 2012. You're. Uh, it was. And it, it's not that active now, right? But you, that was when you were heading down that path. Right. Yeah. With Restoration Industry Defense Alliance. Was that what it was called? Yeah. Restoration Industry Defense Alliance. And that was to uh, get restorers to band together to pool resources to fight off the patent infringement litigation that was going on uh, regarding the use of heat in buildings. And then RIA took the reins from there and uh, raised money and and took on that fight. And then the plaintiff in that case sued a number of big uh, companies and was ultimately uh, defeated. So that was uh, that was the end of that. But uh, that was a very bloody chapter in uh, the history of the remediation industry. Yeah, that was that was serious because I mean, basically, somebody came up with what was maybe a protocol that was being used a lot and called it proprietary, right? 
so to that effect. Well, I simplified that, it. That's that's what the the position that uh, we took in in fighting those cases, and uh, we said, no, you don't own heat any more than you know I own oxygen, and you know if things went totally berserk. I mean, there was this blitz of lawsuits that got filed all over the place, and my phone was ringing off the hook. People were crying out for help. And one guy says to me, that's like me trying to put a patent on sex and filing a patent infringement lawsuit against every single parent in the world. That's, that's a, they're not going to do that, that's, right? That's a troubling <laughs> analogy. I, yeah. I, I own the patent, so there you go. <laughs> I think we need to look a little further. Whoa! That's the close examination there. Outstanding. So, 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 what are you doing now? I mean, you're you're involved. Obviously, you didn't win the Martin King Award for no reason. I mean, and obviously, you've spent many years, you know, working in that restoration industry and with RIA. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things you're, you know, that you're involved with right now. I am proud to be restoration advocate for the Restoration Industry Association, as uh, some of our viewers hopefully know. The RIA formed an advocacy group a couple of years ago to help level the playing field and kind of the essence of it is to try to get insurance companies to pay a fair price to clean remediate and restore buildings and the insurance industry got very organized uh, formed uh, a bunch of coalitions with other companies like uh, third party administrators and independent consultants to really really slash a lot of restoration invoices. They had Monday morning quarterbacks who come in and say, you know, your scope is wrong, use the wrong equipment, your price is too high, slash, 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 slash. And we take great exception to that. You know, somebody comes in, they haven't interviewed the first responders, they haven't uh, collected all the information. Sometimes uh, these consultants tend to be extremely biased and the restoration industry was becoming increasingly more fragmented. It wasn't speaking with a unified voice to deal with these issues about claim settlements, issues with third-party administrators making contractors do lots and lots of extra work for less now, and less now these money. these consultants are working on behalf of the insurance companies or they're actually insurance company employees or they're independent third parties yeah. that they hire? No, no, they're the independent, independent third parties that they hire. And we put out a whole series of position statements regarding third-party consultants. And they are outside, they're not employees of the restoration company. They can include independent adjusters, building consultants, bill reviewers, any third party who comes in and tries to review uh, a price or a scope. And they've caused a lot of misery for a lot of restoration contractors who didn't have necessarily the research or the acumen to defend themselves. So we got together, we formed this uh, this committee, and then we uh, formed a bunch of subcommittees, one with a group of pricing experts, one with a group of experts dealing with third-party administrators, another group of experts uh, dealing with third-party consultants, and they did research and compared notes. And I had the incredible privilege to be in on all of these meetings with these guys, listening to the very best top experts in the whole country explain the arguments that they used to, to defeat these uh, different positions. And some of the excuses are, are really lame. Now, we're not talking about all consultants. We're not talking about all TPAs or all insurance companies. We're not here to pick a fight with the insurance industry. We're just here to get what's fair. But there are some shrewd ways that 
that restorers and remediators can deal with these problems. So we spent many, many hours coming up with a set of peer-reviewed consensus uh, position statements. We put them out. They're available to RIA members only at restorationindustry.org. Oh, here comes the plug. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah, do it. and uh, we're, we're very, very proud of it. We actually had third-party consultants uh, give feedback, and we incorporated that feedback into the position statements. We released one uh, recently stating that uh, restorers should be allowed to deviate from standardized pricing like in Xactimate or Simbility. And we actually had feedback from Xactware on that. We're, we're, this is a collaborative uh, process. We're not out there just to you know light a bunch of things on fire. So uh, I'm very fortunate to uh, have been engaged as RIA's uh, restoration advocate. And my role in that capacity is to campaign for the positions taken by uh, the association and all of these committees. And in the meantime, I'm very, very busy with my private law practice, drafting contracts for restorers and remediators, negotiating uh, insurance claims, uh, settlements. I just released a book, <laughs> Restoration Collections. You check it out. Can you see the, yeah, the title there? Let's see if we can get that in focus. That's not you in that cover. Though. No, that's not me. And you see what there that you says? Go, yeah. 10 steps to overcome challenges with adjusters, customers, and their bleep, bleep lawyers. But the big one, my flagship product, is on the assignment of benefits. I'm probably not supposed to do it. I don't know. You asked I, you me what I, I've been doing. I, I just put out a book. I asked a question. 479 pages long. I, I, I brought this on us. How big is the font? <laughs> it's, it's like 26. All right, that's cool. Point. Yeah. Um, now, I want, I want to talk just for a second about assignments of benefits because this is something that's really, really important for consumers. Consumers typically don't have the acumen, the wherewithal, the resources to try to force insurance companies to pay fair market value for restoration and remediation in their properties. And one of the ways that they can get some of the strength back and help to uh, get their buildings restored to pre-loss condition is to assign to restoration contractors the right to collect payment directly from the insurance company, the right to bill the insurance company, and the right to um, pursue a legal claim directly against the insurance company. It's the same thing that your doctors do. You go in, you have medical insurance, you assign the right over to uh, the doctor to collect directly from there. And the RIA believes that this is kind of an inflection point. This is a way that they can um, force the insurance companies to pay fair market value. But the problem is that most restorers and most insurance adjusters don't know what the laws are in each state. So the RIA just released a 50 state reference guide of the law for every single state plus DC. And they do vary, right? It's absolutely. Totally, Abs the insurance boards are all different in every state and the rules it, are different. It, right? it does vary, but but the law regarding assignments of benefits is, um, is relatively consistent. They are enforceable in virtually every state. And so what we put out is a reference guide for the law for all 50 states uh, regarding assignments of benefits and insurance bad faith. So uh, restore remediator is getting the runaround from an adjuster. They can open up the, uh, the RIA book, which is another I thought you, it looked like you were in a bar, but it looks more like you're in a library. Yeah, right. Nice. 400 pages of material. 
And you can look and see what the insurance regulations are. Are they allowed to do this? Are they allowed to take this position? There was no other resource like this available, nice. and it's uh, only available for RIA members. Oh, you just plugs are over, the man. The third RIA I'm plug. Done. All right, I'm out. it's all good. Yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Well, I mean, here's it, the question. You know that I know it was I, I was uh, watching the show you did on IAQ Radio a couple weeks back, and I know there were some questions. I think uh, Cliff raised some issues about. Um, you know, the issue with the IEPs, the indoor environmental professionals. And obviously it seems like there seems to be some friction there, right, between the the practitioners, the contractors, and, and the consultants. I mean, there always has been, right? I mean, this is I not... I was say that. I was like, that's not new. Yeah, like, so, well, it's not new for any of the industries. The IEQ like... industry had that issue, too. I mean... Yeah, that's not new. That's not new. But is it is there something I'm missing here in the restoration industry where this is like now more pronounced based on this assignment of claims or assignment of benefits and and, and some of the stuff that's going on? Is it really the consultants are really battling more? Well, you're, you're, again, you're talking about the consultants that are working on behalf of the insurance company because there's also consultants that work on behalf of the insured. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm talking about the ones that work for the insurance company. And our focus is on the ones who uh, try to Monday morning quarterback scope and price. And, and I'll tell you, I represent hundreds and hundreds of contractors. And the instances where we've got issues or conflicts with IEPs are extremely rare. It's, it's very, very remote. And, and what I tell them, look, up front, when you're drafting your contract, get to an agreement with everybody like you're doing a mold remediation contract figure out what the success criteria is going to be ahead of time all right put into your contract what the standard is going to be because obviously we have some people who look at a contract that says mold remediation and their dictionary says uh, remediation means removal and then they get the remediation done and there's one cladosporium spore there and they cry breach of contract so we need to have an education we need to have a discussion about that sort of thing put into the contracts exactly how the success of the job uh, will be determined, like the ACGIH Red Book. You, you reference that as, a, as an obvious uh, choice to look. It but is problematic, just... though, because we, we've been doing shows uh, on, on the weekly uh, Thursday show talking about this, the, you know, just the subjective uh, nature of mold sampling. You know, if you're talking about mold, you know, mold losses in particular. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's because the, the, the rules are defined every time almost. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there really needs to be a lot of communication with everybody. Sit down with the, with the IEP and the customer, and you know they need a basic education that you know mold is ubiquitous, and what are the real goals of this, and what are the pre-existing conditions, and you know want to be very very careful when there are occupants who say no, I don't want you to work in the baby's room. You know my cousin Ricky will remediate the mold in the baby's room, and we do a great job in the rest Ricky of the house. Ricky might be good though. Yeah, he could be good, but not in the cases I handle. Ricky's yeah, terrible. Sure. Ricky sucks. And so, you know, you do a fantastic job. You get, you know, post-remediation verification testing. It all comes out fantastic. And then you take down that engineering control between the rest of the house and the baby's room, and all that mold comes back in, and it's like, oh, look, you did a bad job at remediation. We see this with some frequency, and um, there, there needs to be a lot better communication on that sort of thing. But, but the instances 
where restoration contractors are getting sued for mold related injuries are extremely rare now. And when I started doing this back in the dark ages, when I was watching a young fledgling Bob Krell give an awesome presentation down in Florida, the concern was purely defensive. We're concerned Mm -hmm. we're gonna get sued for an IAQ claim. And then now that has been cast aside for reasons that I I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Now they're just trying to get paid, you know? And uh, it's, it's harder and harder to get paid. They're being expected to do more work for less. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the problem with with standard, you know, with with unitized pricing and agreed upon, you know, like, you know, this this unit, all the unit pricing. I, I don't love that because it, it's not necessarily reflective of an individual project. Um, and again, I'm coming at it from a different side. I'm coming at it not from the restoration side, but from strictly the IQ side. And to me, like, it, Yes, there are certain parameters, but every project is different. You know, it's really hard to have numbers that go across the board from a single family residence to a hospital. It's a vitally important point you make, Bob, and I'm glad you brought that up. We had the president of Exactware on an industry briefing. We've got a videotape on this. It's available for members, and he explains this exact fact that you know, people need to understand that each project needs to be priced on a job by job basis, considering the target margins and overheads of the company, the level of service they provide, the needs of the customer and all the unique circumstances. And what he was doing is speaking out against insurance companies that try to use his product as a one size fits all Mm -hmm. uh, product. That's not what it's intended for. And it has been weaponized. There's no question about it, you know, in the industry, clearly. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah, you know, the the crazy thing, I worked for Restoration Hardware, and they never told me any of this. (laughs) Uh, I'm, like, shocked. (laughs) It's great, man. I want want Jay on all my shows from now on. Jay's good to have have in the back pocket. You're awesome, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's an awful awful lot like the Brady Bunch. (laughs) So we're getting we're getting toward the bewitching hour. Um, you know, I actually I have to go eat dinner at some point. Uh, although I could probably live well, off we'll my uh, body fat for like the next month or two. Um, it's okay. Jay will take over from here. Jay could take over from here. I, think I don't even want to tell you. Like, I, Su- Suzanne is is runs the show. We all know that. Uh, Susan, well, sorry. Susan, Susan's yeah. there somewhere. You know, she, she's she's, she, she's she's in the background uh, handling chat and that, that kind of stuff. So I. What I'd like to do is uh, give you, you know, give both uh, both our guests, Stacy and uh, Ed, a chance to just just do a final closing thoughts. I mean, I know we, we, we meandered, and that's what we do on this show. This is a meander show, you know. You that's know. why they let me on. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you really want to see more of a structured interview show, come on Thursday. <laughs> but this this is uh, once a month. We kind of just let it loose here. So, uh, Stacy, closing oh, thoughts. Go <laughs> You're going first, ladies first. No, I, I know that's. Oh, I want to go first. All right. So, Ed, you want to go first? You know, I think uh, this is really great what you're doing here, Bob. And um, a a year ago, I uh, started shooting in North Carolina for something called Restoration Cafe. And I got all this raw footage and I had a bunch of restorers in a bar and then COVID hit and everything kind of went berserk and uh, never got around to putting that out. And, you know, we've got too many staid, rote webinars and and zoom meetings on there and it's better to have uh, a format at least sometimes like this where we can just have a a free and open dialogue a little bit of levity on the side 
So I really, uh, I really support what you're doing. Thank you very much uh, for having me on here. It's, uh, it's been a blast. It's been uh, a lot of fun and uh, got to poke fun at some people who, uh, who had it coming. We got, got close to that political edge. We were starting to, uh, we, we got, to, the, you know, we, we always into, do a little get bit. into politics there. I stayed clear of that, you know, I, well, for the yeah, record. I, I, Everything's I, politics. Everything's. I, I kept my mouth shut. I was uncharacteristically politically correct here. Oh, that's uh, that's all good. Jay, Jay, Jay is my like sounding board. I like to, you know, he, he gets to go crazy and I get to uh, hold it back a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I actually didn't play a clip from Autograph. I was going to do it, but, you know, it's like, you know, you, didn't, you didn't want me to mention it, did you? No, it's okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, don't be sorry. No, it's, it's you're all good. a musician. I mean, we still are a musician, obviously. You play guitar. Yeah, I play the healthy indoors theme song, man. <laughs> Which I rock, one? <laughs> I rock on that bad boy. The after Which hours, one? man. Yeah, it's well. That awesome. was that was the new one we just uh, threw together uh, today. So we're, one of these really? days we'll actually because this, this show has only been out. This is only the third episode, so uh, we really haven't uh, done a lot of production value for it. Oh no, I think it's great. You don't well, want thanks. it to be too produced or too polished. No, no, I mean, it needs to be produced. a little bit gritty. That's why I'm coming to you today from the basement here. Well, yeah, it's gritty. So Stacy, it's your turn. I'm putting you on this on the hot spot. Okay, hot spot. Um, no, I appreciate this too. This has been like really fun. And, um, and oh, thanks. Jay West said we need more Ed and Stacey. Um, and Susan said, who should be the IAQ Global Watchdog Advocate? I think that's a really good question. I think that there's still, it's so interesting to me because I think there's still like a big, um, disconnect in 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 the synergy that that is indoor air and environmental quality, right? And all these different pieces and all the different crossover points and um, and it's been interesting for me to take all of my kind of lived experience and work to utilize it for good and and to help other people. And I feel like, I feel like personally, every experience, like even this gas leak situation, right? Like now I'm learning about that and then I can use that to help somebody else who's going through it. Um, I think that there still needs to be a lot more uh, cohesion within the industry than there is right now. Um, I think that there are so many opportunities for, especially this industry, to be more involved in policy and in helping to shape and, and, and make things better um, that, I, that I was trying to do when I was really heavily involved in the industry, but that I don't necessarily see still happening now. Um, so that's something that I would leave as kind of a takeaway. Like I would, I would, I would challenge the IAQ and IAQ industry to be more actively engaged in helping to push good kind of data driven policy that protects public health, I guess. So that's my very tipsy to Peroni. <laughs> you know what? I, I, it was it was a solid uh, commentary. I mean, let's face it. You know, we've we've all been in this industry for some time, 
long time, you know, and, and again, Stacey, you're, you're peripheral. I mean, you're not in the, per se, in the industry, but you, you were in the industry well, back in, yeah. you, you're still, you're still, you're de facto part of it, right? Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, you've been, we've been doing this for a while and, you know, it still seems like the more things, uh, the more we move things forward, it seems like we still have such a long ways to go with all of it. You know, it's not, I, I really thought by the time that I was getting uh, old <laughs> that we would have solved some of these, you know, primary issues <laughs> in our indoor environments. And, you know, here, here I am still dealing with issues that I was addressing back in the mid eighties. So it, the only thing I learned from history is to recognize the same mistake every time I make it. Yeah. Well, you know, and so I guess there's uh, solace in that. <laughs> hey, pot's yeah. legal. That's all I know. <laughs> well, some, right, some places. not in Arizona. Some places. Some places. <laughs> That's something I didn't know that I would necessarily, like, see in my lifetime. Like, we have, you know, like, love is love. Like, good kind of LGBTQ. And weed is legal. Forward. Gay marriage. Certain things have made headway, yeah. but our indoor environmental issues have not made that much headway. Well, why is that, Bob? You know, that's a darn good question, and, and I'm not really 100% sure, but I think one thing that's really uh, incumbent upon all of us is, is that, you know, coming off this, or I shouldn't even say coming off it, but in light of this pandemic, this past 18 months of dealing with this pandemic, um, there's, there's more... Um, general public awareness of indoor environmental concerns than there ever were in our lifetimes. I, I would have well, to say. And were you guys, so like immediately, like when, when everything started, I was like going to look for like every study that I could find mm -hmm. on the IAQ stuff tied to it because it's like, that's our industry, right? Right, right. But it's still, it's still in my soul. It's still in my gut and it still makes sense, right? But um, I think like there's so much happening right now. We're at this like weird critical juncture where so many places have, you know, like massive. So you have COVID. You have um, you have affordable housing crisis in many many places. Mm -hmm. You have um, you have high energy bill burden. You have you know like all of these things that are creating kind of this like perfect storm, but then you also have, you know, this, this amazing kind of like unchecked technology of like us being able to like 3D print homes. And, you know, like some of these other things that are just like- That's crazy, right? Like, like, sorry, like crazy amazing that we haven't even like scratched the surface on. Right. Like yeah. all this potential. No, we- Good. But we need to use it. I guess. I guess the point I was trying to make there is that I think it's important that we take this opportunity collectively as an industry, uh, or industries. You know, all the various silos that are in the in this indoor environmental and uh, building performance and sustainability arenas. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, but they're all interconnected, right? It's the, it's all about the built environment and people's healthiness in those environments. Um, but we we need to drive the point home now because you have you, you have this short attention span. You know, public awareness, and I think there's this opportunity to make substantial improvement if we actually drive it forward. It's up to you, Bob. It's Keep up to me. Charge. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. You know what? I, I'm trying. You are. And in the You're words of Yoda, though, 
There is no try. Do there's or do only, not. There's only do. That's the main thing, man. Like, we, we need more people, like, actually, we need less talking and more doing. But yeah, I would yeah. agree. Like, I'm good at talking. The, the, the <laughs> so slowly. You have academia studying everything. Like, oh, we need another study. Like, no, we just need to throw a bunch of damn spaghetti at the wall and, like, see what sticks and, like, get shit done. I totally agree. I totally agree. That's why, you know, I, and I'm, I'm going to throw my, my, I'm going to throw my pitch in. That's why sure. I've been working with air advice for homes because what we do is we support HVAC guys who are in houses every day. We give them a diagnostic piece of equipment and a, and a, and a result or I'm sorry, a, a test result report that they that gives them basically a script to talk to to human beings about IEQ. So I, I totally agree uh, with you, Stacy, because you know that they're, they're those are the boots on the ground. Yeah, I mean it's critical that we, anyway we we do need to drive the topic forward. Obviously, we don't have resolution here tonight, um, but we did have uh, a great discussion. It was a great discussion. I, I it was, and it was really great seeing you, you know, both of you, you know, Stacy and Ed again. You know, I mean, even though too, not in man. person, but um, you know, maybe next best thing. So, are you guys going to be in Hawaii? I want to go to Hawaii now. Go. Absolutely. Dr. Ralph Moon and I presented a joint abstract together to do a, a presentation together, and I'm really hoping they're going to uh, allow us to do that. Pretty excited about still, it. Do they still have, um, like, pre presenter things open? No, that, that closed a no, that, while back. Yeah, There's yeah. going to be like a gazillion presentations, because they're using the ISIAC format of the real short format. So you're right. basically doing mini TED Talks. Oh, ten, right. They're ten, yeah. they're ten, ten minute minutes. presentations. Yeah. So if I get accepted, I put a couple of proposals in too. Okay. Uh, if I get accepted, it's going to be a challenge for me to go in ten minutes. I can't even yeah. get my damn costume on in that time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what we did is we got together and we said, since there's two of us, we want it to be twenty minutes. Oh, I aren't like you pitch. the cagey one? So so if you join us, we could call it thirty minutes. We, we could Jay do a thirty minutes. Stacy minute. and we'll, you know get all. We could get a, we could get an hour minutes. block. Yeah, do an hour block. Leave everybody else really ticked off. I love I love the idea of ten minutes. I wish I would have known about that. I would have like yeah. did something. Come on out! It's going to be fun. Yeah, if you want me to work your booth, let me know. <laughs> no, no booths there, but uh, you're hired. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I do want to, so uh, once again, remind everyone, uh, again, that conference that we, you know, we've been uh, alluding to here is the uh, Healthy Buildings America 2021. That's going to be happening in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, November 9th through 11th. Healthy Indoors Magazine is the uh, Platinum Media Sponsor, and Ed Cross, uh, his firm is a, a sponsor as well, so that's cool. Um, the, I want to remind you all, uh, we're signing off at this point. Uh, well, we're heading toward the sign-off point. Uh, again, the Healthy Indoors Online Global Community. Many of you are watching this show on that platform. Some of you are probably watching on social media outlets. But the Healthy Indoors uh, Global Online Community is a free platform. It's a place where you can network, learn, and share. Well, let me just uh, kick this off.
It's like a freaking dance party. Ed, Ed almost picked up the chords on that already. <laughs> on the Bob Crawl show. Yeah. You know, I've never brought my guitar on the show. I probably should do that. You should. Let's jam. We'll do we, like we could. a live I'm probably I, you know, I'm not a great guitarist. I never was a great keyboardist. I'm kind of a vocalist, but I'm not even a great vocalist. Why don't you have like a maybe I should schedule a, like a special jam show? We should do that for real. Like, yeah. I don't know if I can bring a guitar out there though because I'm going to, you know, probably bring in too much other stuff. That's better. Thank you. I got a Marshall stack in this room right behind me. Do you really? I got a Marshall mini stack over here. Eddie, oh, do you? And All you right. know it. Yeah. That'll work. Like, you know it does. Wow. Everybody's rockers. We need, we need, to, we, we need to play drums. Everybody, we got enough guitar players. We need a drummer. Yeah. I got the drum set in the garage. Drums yeah, you still, you still play drums, play. don't you? Well, uh, no? kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, after so many decades... Uh, yeah, I, I did a big show. We you're not pulling a Bill Ward on us, are you? We we well, we performed um, a parody of the rock opera Tommy by the Who. We did 18 songs, and I smashed my drum set into a million pieces at the end of it. Nice that's, Moon. That's nice. on, yeah. Uh, yeah. You literally yeah. smashed a drum set up. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, I threw the drums all over the stage. I did a Keith Moon thing, and the. Um, the whole thing is on uh, on Vimeo and all. I've got to find that. Guys. Send me yeah. that link. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that was that was fantastic. All right. Well, I I guess uh, you know it's time to bid adieu. So um, thanks so very much, Ed, Stacy. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank um, you guys. This is a great thank time. You. Thank you. Great time. And Jay too. Thank you for guys. being here. Thank you, Jay. Beth. Thank you. So, cool. By the way, I'm six feet tall in real life. Just yeah. You know. I don't know if I believe that because I've seen you in real life and I don't believe yeah. you are six, but I, I am not a good judge, you know, at my uh, diminutive stature. I'm tiny but mighty, so I'll Can wait. I just have my chance? And 29 in my head forever. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Keep that right. youthful spirit. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks Thank so very much. We'll see you guys again. Uh, this week, just so you know, um, Thursday, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the Healthy Indoors Live Show. Our guest this uh, week is uh, Graham Marsh. We'll be talking about probiotic cleaners and chemicals. Uh, that's going to be a cool event. We're back here again in August with the Healthy Indoors Live Show. We haven't even publicized the date yet, but we will have that up there shortly. And uh, next Monday on uh, the Healthy Indoors Online Global Community, we have Iziac's new show that we just started producing, the second episode of Indoor Environments, Global Research to Action. Uh, it's a joint venture with Iziac and the IEQ, uh, IEQGA, the Indoor Environmental Quality Global Alliance. Don Weeks and I co-host that show. That'll be uh, aired here on the community at 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time uh, on uh, Monday. So we'll see you soon. Thanks so very much, and have a great one.